Blog Talk Radio. I have an emergency. What is your location? Yes, Lord. Good morning. There is a word for your soul. Let's pray. Father God, we dedicate this time to you, to, the, to your heart, to your will being done in our lives. Give us ears to hear, eyes to see, a heart to receive and, and stand strong in these days to take a stand for you, to be not afraid. Lord God, let fear be far from us, for perfect love casts out fear. And I pray that you would give your people uh, a new zeal for the righteousness of Christ Jesus, that we'd stand in that truth, because it is truth that brings freedom. And we see that everyone around us is failing for fear. Their hearts are failing, their lives, their worries. Father God, we pray today that you'd bring hope, that you'd help us to walk in the power of your promise, that you're coming again, and that we'd be encouraged in that. Father, we thank you now for giving us wisdom. May we speak as the oracles of God. We also pray for divine holy protection, that no weapon formed against us or this show or the people who are listening to it will prosper, that everyone who's brought under the counsel of your protection will, will realize the revelation of your love, your truth, and your divine protection. Cover each one of us, Lord God, in every specific detail of our lives these days and our children and everything that pertains to all of us, Father God, that your will be done, O oh God, on earth in and through us as it's being done and declared in heaven. Welcome to Rescue Radio. Today, stand your ground. Take a stand for Jesus in these troubled times. Um, these are troubled times, and the Bible has already told us about these things. Actually, in Ephesians chapter 6, it says, Finally, my brethren, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Take a stand for Jesus. Stand, and having done all to stand, we need to stand taking that stand without fear. There's too many people today who are really afraid to say anything too de- definitively about Jesus Christ or truth because they realize, we realize we've been kind of intimidated and pushed into a corner, a spiritual corner where we're not supposed to come out because everybody who's out there has the, the, the truth, so to speak, and the rest of us are just idiots. So we've been intimidated and taught to back off and back into a corner. Yeah. Political, what, political correctness is the big deal. And, and it's, it's, it's such a hypocritical thing because, you know, it's like we're supposed to tolerate everything, but then we have to be politically correct and we yeah. tolerate everything well, except the truth and yeah. righteousness and Christianity, for example. Yeah, yeah. Well, the characteristics of the days in which we're living are, are given to us in the scripture. Well, can I go back for just a second to Ephesians again, one more moment he says, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, against, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Now, it's interesting that the enemy is trying to corrupt us in battle, get us to uh, fight, conflict, struggle, strive, be angry with, contend with human beings in, in all kinds of divisive ways, whether it's in your family gatherings at Thanksgiving or it's in your, your you know, in the media, in the nation, uh, recounting votes, et cetera. It's all devised to be divisive and, and bring us and into contention. And distracting. And so, right. and the thing is, it's important for us to really, like you said, look behind 
the the surface of things. Mm-hmm. And this is this is what we we are called to do in, in all the time in these days. But recognize that there is it's a spiritual battle battle yeah. behind all this stuff. Our enemies are not as you read, I believe, flesh and blood. It's not yeah. people. It's not what it appears to be. Yeah. Everything is set up to look like something it's not, and that's a spirit of divination and deception, um, and that spirit of rebellion and and blasphemy and vile contempt against God that's been kind of festering in our nation and growing as as leaven in the lump of dough has been growing for many uh, years now, maybe for a longer time than that, under the council of leadership that has been corrupt and against God. And yet now in these moments, the Lord has moved in almost a sovereign way to break in, to to take hold of that the, the, ter- the grip of the terrible one who has held this nation and the world in this grip of fear and uh, unbelief and doubt and, and causing us to become not good soldiers, but cowards. And I believe that the Lord is now going to inspire us to move forward in these perilous times. Well, here's what the perilous times are. And, and, uh, have described as so these these things do not catch God by surprise. No. And they shouldn't catch Written us 2, by, years by ago. surprise. Yeah. Even though there are times, just basically daily, almost we we expect the unexpected. In other words, we're appalled. We know how things are, but we're still appalled sometimes when we hear mm-hmm. the things that come to our ears. In Second Timothy chapter three, beginning with verse one, and this is from the Amplified Bible. Listen carefully to this now, but understand this, that in the last days will come, will set in perilous times of great stress and trouble, hard to deal with and hard to bear. For people will be lovers of self and utterly self-centered, lovers of money and aroused by inordinate greedy desire for wealth, proud and arrogant and contemptuous boasters. They will be abusive blasphemous, scoffing, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, and profane. They will be without natural human affection, callous Mm -hmm. and inhuman, relentless, admitting of no truce or appeasement. They will be slanderers, false accusers, troublemakers, intemperate and loose in morals and conduct, uncontrolled and fierce, haters of good, they will be treacherous, betrayers, rash, and inflated with self-conceit. They will be lovers of sensual pleasures and vain amusements more than and rather than lovers of God. For although they hold a form of piety, true religion, they deny and reject and are strangers to the power of it. Their conduct belies the genuineness of their profession. Avoid all such people. Turn away from them. So this... This, this is what we've got going. This is like, this is like reading the news right here. Yeah, so. it's, it's like, you know, perilous times indeed. And God knows that these, these times are upon us. Men will be, like you said, lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemous, disobedient to parents. That's just what you're saying. Unthankful, unholy. And I think part of that is we're so, we're so out of, uh, out of, touch with what is truly really spiritually going on this is all all of what we see here the behaviors of mankind the the loss of natural affections unloving and forgiving slanderers uh, without self-control brutal despisers of that which is good has come as a result of demonic principalities and spiritual rulers and in the in the high places 
evil and wicked things that are dominating, predominating and, and trying to determine our destiny. That would include the spirits of harlotry and Jezebel. These are all talked about in the Bible. These are spiritual uh, fronts, spiritual um, forces that have come against the gullible, the naive, the innocent, and those who don't pay any attention. That would be many, most, if not. Well, for the most part, all the spiritual stuff is going on, but we have no clue. The rank-and-file person, even the rank-and-file Christian, mm-hmm. uh, has no clue about this insidious the, yeah, war yeah. that's going on the twisting, behind the scenes, the devious, let under me, the surface. Yeah, for example, you know, what does Jezebel do? What is harlotry, rebellion, wickedness, you know, the apostasy in the church? The divination, deception. How are we to stand our ground against these smooth words and these this constant barrage of of media assault and and lies? And, and you know, I heard one guy say, "Whatever they say in the media, just turn it upside down, and you basically got the truth." And I think that's pretty close to the truth, actually. Um, divination, smooth words, deceptions, re- reasoning with you're trying to reasoning with the evil one, trying to make deals with the devil. Uh, thinking that you're going to be immune or exempt from having to give an account of yourself someday before God, because now we've X God out of the equation. So therefore we don't have to give any account to God because we are evolved and we are uh, disconnected from the truths of God. So he has twisted evil. The evil one has twisted the truth and the truth has become hated. And those who love the truth are also the enemies. They're the enemies. uh, They're the designated targets of the unrighteous so that we cower we become kind of like you know afraid no don't know what to do we're kind of isolated we don't have our church groups that are really taking a stand who do we band together with i mean are we going to be a single solitary soldier out there in the middle of a, a world war three well what you're talking about you mentioned earlier about lies and the lies that come through the the, the secular uh, news media sources and so forth it's interesting uh, that the Oxford Dictionaries, you know, they're based yeah. over in England, they have declared that the, that post-truth is to be the international word of the year. Post-truth. That means post-truth. after truth, beyond it, truth, it, past truth, no right. more truth. Right. It's, it's, the old truth is no longer the basically truth. Basically, <laughs> they say that the use of that word has increased by 2,000% in 2016, partly because of the uh, wow. the European Union referendum, the Brexit thing, mm-hmm. and the presidential elections in the United States, and election in the United States. And so they define in the dictionary, they define post-truth as, quote, relating to or denoting circumstances in which objective facts are less influential in shaping public opinion than appeals to emotion and personal belief. Well, the interesting thing is truth, it never goes, grows old. Truth does not change. Truth is absolute and eternal in Jesus Christ. But we people, know that. But people are, are not living according but, to know, truth, not living according to facts. They're living it, according to emotion, mm-hmm. their own ideas, their mm-hmm. imaginations, mm-hmm. The, the fables that they have conquered. But guess who's using this, this, this term oh. post-truth? The, the bad guys. Yeah. The bad guys are saying... It's all twisted up because really, actually, they're saying that we're not going with the facts. We're going with the emotion. And that's a lot of people. They've stirred up the emotion. They purposely, deliberately stirred up the emotions and passions of the people to be beyond themselves, beside themselves, angry, anxious, and, un- and fearful. And so insidious this is, is that 
yeah. uh, the, that what are purported to be facts are actually lies. So if we're in a post-truth generation, then wouldn't it be logical we'd come back to the truth? But assuming now that that's an assumption, that there is no real truth, many people turn back to their twist. They go back to experience. They go back to their emotions and experience, just like you said. Whatever they experience, whatever they feel, their opinions, and they're basing their lives on, and maybe you are doing that too, basing your life on your opinions of what should be, what you're, what's your, what you're mad about that isn't, that should be, and what you want out of this temporal life. And because you go there, you have nothing to stand on when it comes to taking a stand for the truth, a stand in these last days for righteousness. A lot of times we, all we do is we go by, we live according to the composite of our life experience. That's what I said. And yeah. we draw it's, wrong conclusions. Yeah, that's right. And this, but this is how we operate. So we're not operating by what, what is the truth? The standard of what, truth. What is the reality of this? The word what, of God. What is the truth yep. of what's really going on? We go by this, this experience and our interpretations of our experiences, which are for the most part false. Correct. And because then this is how the devil misleads us through the lies into creating sinful behavior. But again, this is all, this is all uh, systematically strategized by hell. You know, like you're saying the Oxford dictionary. Well, speaking of the dictionary, we have put so many lies in our textbooks uh, for many, many generations in the places of education, in the school rooms, in the classrooms, we've we've written edicts of compliance. Now, compliance and tolerance and respect have been have been taught as virtues, uh, and you know, um, they're they're like used like soft little battering rams against the innocent, against the silent, against the children to push and force people to go into places uh, uh, not following the God of, of, the, of creation, but the God of this world, they're pushed into places of confusion. So everything's been twisted up. So what we have to do, if we're going to take a stand and having done a stand in the truth is go back to the word of truth, the absolute standard that does not change. And it's very incredible as we'll look today and see that the word of God has nailed this thing to an absolute T in every, every detail of what's gone on and is going to happen. And if you don't believe that, it might be time to check it out, go back into the word and see what the Bible has to say, um, even in these troubled times. You know, in Second Timothy chapter 2, verse 14, you know, for those of us who are going to take a stand, he says, um, he, says, I, he says, I remind you of these things, charging you before the Lord not to strive about words to no profit, to the ruin of the hearers. What do they have us doing? Debating, recounting, you know, in, in people in their workplaces, people in their family gatherings are afraid to come together because of the op- op- opposing positions that are so uh, offensive or uh, provoking or, you know, irritating that people, their love. It says in the last days, the love of many would grow cold because of lawlessness. Well, we've got more laws on the books in this nation than in any other nation in the history of the universe, the world, the earth. And we have more lawlessness, more lovelessness, more people afraid to take at their stand and, and, and do this thing for Jesus. Now, here's the deal. If you're going to take a stand for Jesus, you cannot operate out of what are they going to say? What are they going to think? Oh, no, what's going to happen? And I'm afraid. Fear and intimidation is kind of the order of the day. Uh, you know, you better not say anything against the Muslims. You better not say anything against the homosexual crowd. You better not say anything like that because 
there, there's, there would be reprisals that could very well come to you. But Jesus didn't, you know, he lived in the days of this kind of thing as right. well. But Jesus didn't pick on a people group to put them down or, or and this is the, this is the, this is the trick. This is the, mm-hmm. the, the, the uh, pitfall, pit that people fall into is thinking, I have to take a stand against a group or I have to come out against the situation for is the truth. You don't right. need to make a big deal to, to point out all the counterfeits, all the abuses, all the violations. You know what? If you do that yourself, you're going to go down because the Bible says, think on whatsoever things are pure, lovely, honest, just, and of good report. And, but if we, if we really want to just make a note of what's going on, understand it, go back to the Lord and say, what is the truth here? What is the lie here? Why is this lie so popular among my people, among this nation, among my family? What is the lie? And you begin to... You begin to speak the truth, you know, even even if it's only by example. I don't think pulling says he, he said avoid. He says, don't strive about words. Don't make enemies. These people that you're striving about and against might be the very next ones to get saved. And this is what it's really all about. Getting them saved, not getting them alienated and isolated. Well, the point is that any, you know, the people that uh, that stand for the truth make themselves a prey. One of the uh, Isaiah, I believe it was that said that. And then Psalm, uh, you know, fear. This is this is the thing. We're living in an age of fear. There's so much fear mongering. Anxiety, everything, even, everywhere. Even, even even the weather reports, everything. Even the weather, even a lot of conservative news sources, they just bring out all this, keep dredging up all this stuff that brings fear. And Psalm, uh, Psalm thirty-one, thirteen says, "For I hear the slander of many." Boy, do we have slander today? And and, and as we, we read about slandering against. Trump slandering against this one, slandering against that one. And he says, fear is on every side. While they take counsel together against me, they scheme to take away my life. But as for me, I trust in you, Lord. Mm-hmm. I say, you are my God. There you go. Let's stop there for just That's a second. The That's the key. That's the plat- platform we stand on. You are my God. You, you know, we have got to strengthen. If you're going to take a stand here, standing against all this evil garbage, we're in the last days, people. You're going to have to have something to stand on. And the only thing to stand on is the rock Christ Jesus, the foundation of your relationship with Christ Jesus, knowing that you are loved and forgiven and that you are not operating under the counsel of guilt, fear, and God is mad at me. You're going to have to know God is for you, not against you, that he is the one who brought the good news in the first place, joy to the world, peace I give to you, uh, not as the world gives. And, and even in the beginning when the angels proclaimed, they said, um, you know, peace on earth, goodwill towards men. This is God's intention towards us. If you're on the good side, if you're on God's side, you will operate in strength, peace. That is our victory. We don't operate out of a, a stance of, I'm going to get even, I'm going to prove my point, and I'm going to be, I am mad at right, you. Right. We come in, we come in with, the, I, I love you. You, you know, I, you know, you're wrong because guess what? You're wrong because you've been lied to, not because you're a bad person. And you don't have to hold on to, pridefully hold on to that negative position. Look, people, if, you're, if the fruit of your life comes up, shows up, turns, up, turns out to be anger, control, insecurity, uh, hostility, moodiness, uh, addictions, anxiety, uh, misplaced affections, if, if that's what's coming out of your life, then you are not believing the truth because the truth will bring you to freedom. And none of that stuff is freedom. So just, you know, it's, hard, it's time for us. We're taking a stand to help people look at their own lives. You know, every one of us is going to have to give an individual account of God, stand before God someday and give an account of what we did. And the, you know, 
the, the, the Lord is coming back at a time when we don't expect. And here's another problem. People don't want to talk about the end. I, I may be jumping ahead a little bit, but here's, there's a real problem because so, there have been so many scoffers. There have been so many people who say, oh, yeah, 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 we've heard this, we've heard this, we've heard this. Where will be the end? You know, it's, so the, everybody's kind of turned off to talking about Jesus coming back. Many will not want to admit you know, they don't want to admit or, or that we're in those last days, end of the end days, because why? Because we don't want to give up our life. We don't want to give up this life for the life that the Lord God has promised. We don't see any benefit to doing that. And so we hold on to this, this, I can't, what are the words, this very uh, empty, uh, meaningless, short-lived, perishable life. Um, so we have scoffers since the beginning who say, where is this coming? The apostles actually called the called it the last days when they were here. Um, no one, um, the people say, well, no one can know the day or the hour. Um, and then Jesus said, many are going to come in my name, saying, it's here, it's here, I'm over here, or whatever. The end days concept is too scary, too crazy, too supernatural, and too controversial. And I really know that the devil does not want us to know how close we are in those end days. I mean, I. I realize that a lot of people don't always pay attention to this stuff. And for the, the stand your ground people, the first and most important thing I say is get close to God and read your Bible and pray, pray to the Lord God. No, don't pray in fear. Don't pray the problem, pray to God. But we have to, um, people say, well, I, I don't know about that. That's too spiritual, but how interested are we in the supernatural? Oh, well, we'll go as far, you know, everything's got to be concrete. Everything's got to be tangible. There's got to be a scientific explanation for everything. Um, and you know, the farthest we'll go into anything non-tangible is what we, we indulge in these days is the virtual realities, the video games, the holograms, the sci-fi, the television, the satellites, the cloud, you know, instant replays on our sports, robots, cloning, managing our um, futures. Uh, but we don't want to include in that immortality unless it's a managed immortality where someone or something is going to come, some scientific freezing or storage process that's going to make us, you know, eternal, immortal, and uh, forever alive. But this is not, this is nothing. This is all the devil's God of this world, the sway of the evil ones, persuasions. There is a true spiritual dimension where there is a heaven, there is a hell, there is a God, there is a throne of heaven, there is a time of reckoning. Well, what, what you've described there is, is that just so many people are living in just a world of fantasy. Yeah. It's a world of fantasy, fables, make-believe, all these things. Yeah. Well, movies. you know, so we can actually, we've been, we've been taught. I mean, our children don't know. They have never heard the truth. Maybe they, it, it's like a, it's, it's the truth is like a fable or a fairy tale, and the fairy tale has now become the truth. But we we um we don't want to deal with. We try to avoid this, deny this inevitable truth that we are not God, and we are not over God. And the bottom line is, we will either know and love Him now, or know and hate Him forever. That that's. You, you, there's no way to escape this. You and I are put here, and there's stuff going on that we need to take, a, you know, be aware of, um, because it's it's serious. Uh, Thirty-five. Got to read this. You know, it's amazing how I can you can get so much. Uh, every word, every passage has got something to say. In Luke um, 
chapter 12, verse 8. Let's find that. Um, he says, um, whoever, I say to you, whoever confesses me before men, him the Son of Man will also confess before the angels of God. But he who denies me before men, him will be denied before the angels of God. Now, so if you and I cannot confess, acknowledge, uh, profess, declare Jesus Christ, Paul says, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ or is the power of God into salvation. If, if we're ashamed, afraid uh, to, to, to declare our loyalties to the Lord God, he's also uh, committed to denying us before the angels of God, which is probably not going to be a very good deal. <laughs> and in, he says, um, then in later in Luke 12, 35, he says, so let your waist be girded and your lamps burning. And you yourself be like men who wait for their master when he will return from the wedding, that when he comes and knocks, they might open to him and immediately. Blessed are those servants whom the master, when he comes, will find watching. Assuredly, I say to you that he will gird himself and give them and have them sit down and to eat and will come and serve them. And he says, and if you should come in the second or the third watch, the second watch, or come in the third watch and find them, so blessed are those servants. But know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the, the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Therefore, you also be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour when you do not expect him. That, that doesn't mean he's not coming. That means we just need to be ready because we don't know when he's coming. We have to be faithful, loyal, and taking a stand. Now, now, N-O-W, today, this year, this month, is the time to stand up. It, you're, you're not going to get a whole lot more chances. The time is basically running out. The clock is ticking. We are so close to the end that it's, the stars are telling us, the signs in the stars, the constellations, the conditions on the earth, uh, the, the, they're, they're all there. If you, if you look at the Bible, if you're wondering what's going on, stop reading the newspaper Stop listening to your favorite news channels and listen, read the word of God, and you'll see where we are. Well, you have to consider that, that we're going to just be standing alone. We're, as, we're a majority with God. The, the old saying, one mm-hmm. with God is a majority. But as far as the world is concerned, even the church world, is, the, even the, as far as even the church world is concerned, uh, we are in an, a minority. Uh, you're going you're gonna to have to stand when it's not popular, popularity, uh, the praises of men. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the thing but, is, Jesus said, you know, for you're going to be betrayed by family, mm-hmm. by kinsmen, stuff like that. Okay. I, I hear constantly too, people, Christians, uh, believers in Jesus, true believers in Jesus, they're being betrayed. They're being betrayed by their families. So this is part of the last days. Uh, children will rise up and kill their parents and so forth. And so there's a, there's a betrayal that's going on and we have to learn how to uh, forgive and to deal with that and stand despite all this. Well, you know, one of the things to begin to read um, our Bibles in public, begin to pray in public, stand on the street corners with your friends, take, take advantage of wherever you are, pray without ceasing. So pray in public, Uh, read your Bible in public, Um, say, thank you. God bless you. Merry Christmas whatever you want to do, um, you know, in school, take out your Bible during your, your lunch hour or recess, begin to read your Bible. And some people are going to see that. They're going to be drawn to you. We, 
we cannot judge a person by what and how they act to dis- determine whether or not they're, they're uh, prop, a, a possible uh, candidate for salvation. They may have already known Jesus, but just are too afraid to stand. You will encourage them um, by your, your bravery. That will encourage others to take a stand. Um, tell the truth. Don't back down, but don't be unkind. Let them see your good works and glorify God in heaven. This is where, how we begin to show that we are for Christ. Well, the, the facts are of the, the evil that we've been seeing. But the thing is, there's a scripture, there's a two words uh, that stand out in a lot of the scriptures that I've been reading here, is that, but you. Mm-hmm. In other words, here's what's going on in the world, but here's what we are to do. But right. you, as a believer, here is where you are to stand. And it well, was interesting, uh, like Paul, uh, one of the examples of this, Paul said to Timothy, yeah, it says, I charge you, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, 2 Timothy 4, 1, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. We're at this time right now. Yeah, it, but according to their own desires, mm-hmm. because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be a ter- turned aside to fables. Here's the but you. But you, be watchful in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. All this stuff is going on. Yeah. It doesn't mean we have to go along with it either. First Timothy chapter four says pretty much the same thing. Verse one. Now the spirit expressly says that in the latter times, some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons, speaking lies in hypocrisy, in hypocrisy. They'll be speaking the lies in hypocrisy. They'll, they will know that they're lies. They'll be knowing that they're lying deliberately to deceive and confuse, having their own consciences seared with a hot iron. They don't care anymore. They have no feeling. They have no sense of right and wrong. And they go on to say specific things um, that are going on. Every creature of God, you know, he goes on to say, but we're to instruct uh, those in righteousness, reject the profane and old wives tales and fables and exercise, exercise yourself rather to godliness. So, this is our golden, golden opportunity to stand our ground and not be afraid. Um, he says in Second Timothy chapter 2, he says, You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that you have heard and learned from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Um, you therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who enlists him as a soldier. We're too much entangled with the affairs of this life, worried about what we're going to wear, what we're going to eat, where we're going to go, how we're going to spend our money, how we're going to make the mortgage payment, how we're going to, you know, if people are going to like us, if da 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 da, if I'm going to get the promotion, whatever. We're too much entangled, encumbered with this world, and we're not focused enough on the strategies of the spiritual world that God would have us move in. And the only way we're going to do that is to begin to walk in the spirit. He also says in chapter uh, three, um, verse 10, he says, but he says, but evil men, um, let's see, chapter three, 10 through 13. um, But he says, but you have continually followed my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long suffering, love and perseverance, persecutions. There you go. 
afflictions which happened to me at Antioch. And he goes on, but, verse 13, evil men and impostors will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of knowing of whom you have learned them. Um, so God is saying these imposters, these, these, these consciousless, hypocritical, uh, deliberate deceptions that are working under the counsel of Jezebel and divination and har- the spirit of harlotry and, and God have mercy, this blasphemous generation that is crying out for more of what uh, they've already had, more of evil, more evil, more, more uh, encouragement, more freedom to do evil. This, this is what I hear in, in, the, in the cries of those who hate the truth. And it's, it's impossible um, for them to be changed from that um, because they're actually being motivated by a, a demonic spirit of confusion and fear. But the only thing that's going to turn them back is the love of God Yeah, and, and your love for them. And I, let's, let's, look, let's get some practical steps here, uh, some practical guidelines that, that people can, uh, you know, that you can employ in, in, in um, right. stay, keeping your stand, taking your stand and keeping your stand in these days. I think one thing is, number one, is that, uh, not that it's the most important, but uh, first point here, don't, we mentioned this, some of these things we've already touched on a bit, but we'll just kind of nail these. Summarize, yeah. Summarize. Don't believe the major uh, news. N- news networks that are state-controlled, government-controlled. You know, don't believe that. Find an alternative, find alternative news sources. Well, there's there's a lot of you know, good conservative Bible believing news sources that really are getting below the surface mm-hmm. and getting to the truth of what's going on. At the same time, even among those, you need to limit your exposure. Right. Because, because you can get so discouraged. You can yeah. get, it's, it's overwhelming mm-hmm. that we are, we are living, we've, you know, we've heard for years that we're living in the information age. We're also living in the misinformation age. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We can be so overwhelmed by all the things that are wrong and are going wrong and the detail after detail after detail, that we can talk very after angry. talk after yeah. talk, video after video after video, YouTube thing after YouTube thing that just overwhelms us. So you have to really yeah, dig in maybe to some reliable well, we sources, but then don't spend so much time there. Well, you know, the thing is that a lot of the major uh, networks, um, they, you know, obviously the agenda, the prince of the power of the air is running them for a purpose, and that is to influence and deceive and to, to, to drag off all of the unsuspecting. Now, here's the deal. You are one of many that they are trying to influence. You are one who has a mind. You have a soul. You have a, you, you have a right to make a decision to walk in the truth, to walk in the freedom, to walk in Jesus Christ. They cannot have your soul. But if you keep listening to them, and if you keep, you, most people are watching, um, I'm not going to judge anyone, but I'm going to recommend you stop watching television. For the most part, is nothing but a, 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 it's not helping you to redeem the time. It was called years ago, it was called a vast wasteland, a, mi- a vast <laughs> mindless well, wasteland. Well, it's telling a vision that is not true. It's a vision of this, a vision of that, and the talk shows are endless, and they're nothing but spewing of opinions and contention. 
you don't need to do that. You don't have time for that. We're, we're about our father's business. And these things are what are creeping into houses, taking captive, gullible, silly women. Actually, the Bible uses the word creeping into houses. And I think that's a very good way to describe what happens through the television. The information, the influence, the subtle effects are creeping into the houses, into the minds, into the hearts and souls of the young, of the old, of the, of the bored. And taking people use it as a time filler. But it's, it's full of garbage. Would you like to, you know, to fill the, 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 the places, the spaces, the empty spaces of your mind and house with literal garbage? Would you bring that in from your outside garbage can and restate it in your house, position it, you know, uh, set it on the table, put it in the drawers? Well, come on, people. This is what's happening when we, we spend too much time with these. And but besides, they, they create the fruit of them is anxiety, fear, contention, war, strife, bitterness. And everything that's opposite of love. Uh, and that gives place to the, to the point number two. Don't give place to fear and the spirit of this age. Well, yeah, because it's, you know, we read it early, Psalm 31, 13. There's fear on every side. It's just yeah. fear, 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 fear. There's Well, and you know, one of the things, too, is when you're listening to all these people and they're promoting all this fear, how are you going to be brave? How are you going to, is your mind going to stay clear and focused? to know what you're supposed to do in walking in the spirit because you're already worried and very alert to what the enemy is doing, saying, and what he's going to, you know, what are well, they going to say? Well, they, oh, the enemy is going to just drown out the voice of God in your heart. So your, your primary thoughts are going to be the fearful thoughts. There's a fear rather than faith. And, rather, rather than what are, what's the, what are they saying rather than what is God saying to me? Well, God wants us to take this war, not, not on this playing field of earth and uh, deserts and swamps and roads and, uh, you know, our natural world. He want, This war is meant to be uh, fought and waged in the heavenlies. And when you and I go, you know, in, take the stand, you're going to have enemies. You're going to have people who want to persecute you, kill you, and they don't like you at all. And most of them are motivated, provo- uh, provoked and motivated by the God of this world who they don't even realize it probably, but they are not our enemies. The real enemy here, the one that we are contending with before God is the prince of the power of the air, the God of this world who holds the whole world in its sway. Don't be shocked, people. This is what has to happen before Jesus will come back. We're not going to have a grand and glorious put-together kingdom to hand over to Jesus Christ when he gets here. No way. This is going to be tattered, torn, blown up, and a mess. And hopefully, hope to God, that there is a rapture where some people, the ones that are, are have, you know, worthy to escape the wrath to come, will not come under the final judgments uh, of this world, and they will be, they'll be, we'll be out of here. We'll be out of here. But you see, if that's the case, if that be the case, that there be such an escape clause as the rapture, which the Bible kind of alludes to pretty strongly, then don't you think that you'd want to be in that, um, that uh, group of people who are going to escape? Because there is, you know what, i got to say this. In every other war, in every other earth conflict, in every other terrible thing where war and devastation uh, affl- affected the earth, there was always another place people could flee. In, Ro- in World War II, they could get out of Germany. They tried to get out. There was a place to go- come. They could go to England. They could come to America. There was, an, uh, there was a place to go. Um, there is no place left to go. Now we're talking about Mars, but there is no place really left to go to escape what's going on in this world. This is a global event. And the only way and place we're going to escape is into Jesus Christ and through his power 
And, you know, see, we've, we've relegated Jesus Christ and the Son of God and, and, and the Word of God and God himself to such a pansy. We don't, you know, he opened up the Red Sea. He caused that bush to speak Moses' name and, 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 to, and to draw Moses to it. He was the God who, who set the children of Israel free. He was the God who uh, fed the, the 5,000. God is still in the miracle working. God is still knows how to do what he does. And we've just kind of paid no attention to it. God has got some big, this world is not all it is. It's not all that we think it is or it appears to be. There is coming a second coming, a coming again. Jesus Christ is returning. If you don't get anything else out of that, stand your ground for the fact that he is coming back. And he's coming back very soon. And so he says to watch and be alert. We, you know, he'll come in an hour when we think not. But he says, watch, be ready. But here's another thing I would say, another point is that don't use sin as an escape because sin is a prison. It's not a refuge. So yeah, don't people, use it as an excuse either. Well, I'm just a sinner, blah, blah, blah. Well, yeah, but sometimes we just say, okay, I'm just going to, you know, life is too hard. I just have to immerse myself in something else. Yeah. I have to immerse myself Avoid. In, in, in a hobby, uh, a relationship, um, whether it's illicit or whatever um, you know i have to go to a place where I'm, i have to get away well, from it all here's here's the thing I, you know people are in every any every place on that spectrum of sin uh that 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 very vast broad line of demarcation of where am i on this sin line uh we are not to be there at all sin is to be not a lifestyle but an occasional, you know, getting tricked, deceived, and confessing. And so for us, you step out of that, you know, escape. Sin is not an escape. Skin, sin, sin is the cage that's going to right. take you down into the abyss. So um, the, the, the thing that we need to do is begin to redeem the time, Ephesians chapter 5, for the days are evil. And how many people are killing time and wasting time and throwing time away? And, and I say this, if you're doing something, that is, you know, you say to yourself, okay, what will this benefit five years from now? What will this benefit a hundred years from now? How will this benefit in the, in light of eternity, what I'm doing right now? I'm not saying you can't do any, uh, any, you know, uh, you know, anything that isn't intense. We do need some fellowship. We need rejoicing. We need feast days. We need festivals. We need blessings. But but remember, do everything in light of eternity. You know, unfortunately, we're not like a few people who have actually died and went to heaven and came back again. I remember the story Betty Mills told me she was um, uh, she died back in uh, 1957, I think it was. And she was dead for like 28 minutes. She had been a, a pastor's daughter, played the organ in church and had, in her adult life. I don't know if she was like, I don't know, if she was 27 or something like that when she died. She had really backslidden. She turned away from God, of course, probably got her fill of religion and organ music and probably just said, that's too much for me, and went off to do her own thing. Well, she ended up getting gangrene, and it was in the days before, it was a burst appendix, and in the days before they really could, had all their fine technical ways of figuring that out. So she lay there dying, rotting, literally rotting inside until she just died. And the moment she died, um, uh, her father, who was the pastor, of course, wasn't there, but he was praying. And, and the prayers were going up before the throne of grace, and she was also going up before the throne, uh, moving through these fields of beautiful flowers and very soft grass and 
and coming before this big, huge gate uh, one so- of one solid pearl, she was telling me. And she heard the voices. She heard the hammering, the sounds of building on the other side of that wall. And she heard a voice coming from that wall talking to her, asking her, um, you know, if she wanted to come in, if she was ready to come in. And she said, you know, she saw the prayers of her father going up and she knew that she wasn't ready. She said, no, she says, I'm not ready. And so at that moment, she was returned to her body. Uh, it was about five o'clock in the morning. The beams of sun were just coming into the window of her hospital room and they had already pulled the sheet up over her and it called the corner. Um, but the, 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 she said the words, I am the resurrection and the life was coming through this beam of light that hit her foot. And as it began to hit her foot, her whole body began to warm up and she woke up. And when the, um, they came in to, to the nurse came in or whoever it was came in to, um, you know, deal with this dead corpse. Um, they pulled open the, the sheet or she pushed off the sheet and they freaked because she wasn't dead. And lo and behold, not only was she not dead, but the doctor was kind of disgusted thinking perhaps she would, you know, just die now from the rotting uh, uh, stomach and intestines and whatever. And he says, well, I, I wish you, you know, this is going to be really hard. Your plumbing isn't going to work, blah, blah, blah. We'll have to do all kinds of surgeries. You'll never be able to conceive a child, blah, blah, blah. And so anyway, short, the longer, longer story shorter, <laughs> they, she actually, uh, they got, she got the wrong um, menu because she asked for some food and they gave her, they were going to send her some seven up, but she ended up getting the guy's food down the hall. Like a full meal. Yeah. Pork chops, applesauce and mashed potatoes. She ate the whole thing and the doctor came in and he was just absolutely furious. Well, a couple hours later, her plumbing started working and she uh, actually several years later conceived a baby. And she, but she told me, she said, you know, I don't care what you have to go through or what you have to do to get there. It's worth everything. And the only thing that you can take with you to heaven, people, all of you who've got that second and third storage shed going on right now, the only thing you can take to heaven with you are people. And so, um, and unfortunately, we don't have that, that experience to know how desperately real and desperately serious God is about this whole thing. So we have to take it by faith. And that's where we kind of fall down because, you know, we say, well, do I believe enough? Do I have enough faith? Well, the problem is, you know, you can take it one step beyond faith, really. If you know, and, and we're built by God to know this, you know that God does not lie and his word is true. And so far, as much as you've read of it and I've read of it, it's totally accurate. I haven't seen one thing in there that's out of place. It doesn't, didn't come to true or isn't coming to pass or isn't correct about current events. That God does not tell lies. So therefore, everything in that book is the truth. So therefore, you know something. You know that it's the truth. You know that God doesn't lie. And so therefore, you don't have to believe what you already know. You already know this. So your faith is fine because you already know. I'd rather know than believe or think I know or, or, or believe something when I can know it. I'd rather know how to get to my destination than try to think I believe I know how to get there. I want to know. And so... You can know with total 100% assurance that what God says in his word is real. God is the beginning. God is in the beginning, not the devil. God is the be- beginning and the ending. He's the final finisher of this whole fiasco, and you want to be on his side. Well, yeah, and, and uh, the word of God, Second Timothy uh, three sixteen through 17, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God 
may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. So it's important for us to saturate ourselves with the word of God. You know, even really limiting to limit yourself. You know, there's books about the word yeah, of God. Yeah. And, and they can, can be helpful, mm-hmm. both devotional books, but get into the word of God itself. itself. Mm-hmm. Get into the the raw, naked, <laughs> basic, unabridged. unabridged word of God. Undiluted. Get yourself a translation. Get yourself a King James or New King James, something like that. Some of these other, they're not translations. They're just loose paraphrases that are really loose. They have a lot of new age terms in them. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. be discerning on that. And, 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 you know, people say, well, I go to church or you think that we're telling you to start going to church. Some of you need to start going to church and some of you need to leave church. Yeah. Believe it or not, some of you need to get out of the churches you're in because they're not preaching the full counsel of God. And they're only creating a guilt and fear and doubt in your minds. And, and, and if you're getting your your you know, how many meals a week, a week do we usually eat? Twenty uh, three times seven, 21 meals a week. If you're getting one meal a week and that's mostly Cheetos and and corn chips, and you're thinking you're going to do well and be healthy and stay sound and clear in your mind and, and be able to run a marathon with that, you're kidding yourself. If you think that that preacher who's, you know, you know, pasteurized the word of God for you and given it to you so that you won't get mad at him and so that you'll keep putting money in the offering so he can keep playing, paying the mortgage on the church and build that new steeple, if, if that's where you're getting your food from, and I bless God, these men, I'm not saying Maybe they're doing the best they can. Maybe I, I'm, be, that's between them and God. They're God's servants. But you also have a responsibility to yourself and your children, your family, to do what is right before the Lord God. And you're not going to be able to blame, blame anything on the preacher because no one chained you there. No one made you stay there. God says, come out from among them. Be separate. Touch not the unclean thing. So much of our church has been so contaminated by the world that it's hardly any different than the world, if any different at all. Look at the scriptures as as to how the the uh, the church operated is to operate, and then take a look at the church that you're part of and say, is that's what's is that what's going on? Does that look like the gospel of Jesus and, Christ? And, see, mm-hmm. the problem is a lot of people have have been exposed to church for so long that that they don't know there's anything else, and there isn't much else out there for somebody else to go to. No, the churches are pretty much kind of like all the same, except. Now we're seeing there more of some, the house churches come up, the Book of Acts kind of churches. But they also can be, if can, you don't, if you don't really too. know the Word of God yourself, you can be deceived. So please, and say, well, I can't do this. I'm not a priest. I'm not a pastor. I'm not a theologian. I'm not, you know, I haven't studied. You've got the Holy Spirit. That the book, the Bible, which is the book, and the Holy Spirit. Those two things. Sit down and say, Holy Spirit, I don't get this. What does this mean? That's what I did my whole life. I didn't want to not know. As a matter of fact, I got saved not liking the Bible. I didn't like the Bible. I didn't like talking about it. I didn't like reading it because I didn't get it. And I know a lot of people don't like the Bible because every time they read it, they feel bad. They feel condemned. They think God is mad at them and they don't get it. But see, the thing is, we haven't put this Bible, word of God, God himself in the context of eternity and what's already happened. We, so much has been left out. So much Satan has tried to hide and conceal and cover that even in these last days, now more of the truth is coming out through the, ex, the books that have been hidden uh, in the tombs, uh, I mean in the caves, in the, in the jars, the uh, manuscripts that have been lost and now found, is that if you really understand and put this in the context of giants and demons and fallen angels, then it begins to make sense why God had to kill 
uh, all those people in the Old Testament, they weren't even humans for the most part. And um, that's why the flood came, because they were uh, the, the earth. There was only one set, one pair, one good set of DNA left. So the thing is, you know, we don't you can't just live your religious life in such a narrow band of understanding. This is an epic. This is not a Saturday night movie talk show. This is God. And we need to take a stand with God or you're going to be against. He says, you know, either get in or get out, either be hot or be cold. You know, no lukewarm here. Lukewarm, that doesn't cut it with God. Ephesians 5.17 says, therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Understand what the will of the Lord is. In other words, know it. And sometimes we just pray. Uh, Lord, show me your will. Show me what I'm supposed to do. And that's a, that's a legitimate part of it. But more importantly, it's important to know the will of God so we can pray in the will of God, yeah. so we can come into agreement with the will of God. He said, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Mm-hmm. So coming into agreement with the will of God for these situations. And we'll know that by the word of God. We'll know that by the spirit of God. In every situation, mm-hmm. Lord, what are you wanting to do here? Exactly. What are you wanting to do here? And once we once we know that, let's go to the court of heaven. Yeah. Let's go and say, okay, Lord, kingdom of God, come. Your king, your right. will be done in this matter. We're tired of seeing the enemy's plan being fulfilled here. Let's let's let that plan be thwarted and let your plan be um, in Done. Place in this well, you know, and speaking of that, we have the greats of the Bible. We have our Moseses and our Daniels and our uh, Elijahs and, Eli- and, and Isaiahs. But in Daniel, knowing the time, Daniel's time, by the way, Daniel would be a good book to read. Daniel knew the time. He served three different administrations, uh, three different nations, actually, uh, turned hands three times. And he still stayed at the top of the pile. He was still the, the chief because the spirit of God was upon him. He worked for the Babylonians with Nebuchadnezzar. He worked for the Medes and then he worked for the Persians, which was Cyrus. He was actually uh, still there when Cyrus showed up. But this is what he prayed when he understood the prophetic revelation of end times. And that was a long time before he said he goes in chapter nine. He says, we have sinned and committed iniquity. We have done wickedly and rebelled even in departing from your precepts and your judgments. Boy, can't we say yes and amen to that. Neither have we heeded your servants, the prophets, who have spoken in your name to our kings and our princes, to our presidents and prime ministers. Um, the Lord, O oh Lord, to you belongs righteousness. To us, shame of faith. Yes, we have been put to shame, disgraced, ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We have more information now than Daniel ever did. He says, verse 17, Now therefore, our God, hear and pr- the prayer of your servant and his supplications, and for the Lord's sake, And for the Lord's sake, for your sake, cause your face to shine on your sanctuary, which is desolate. I would say that's a good definition adjective for what we've got going on in this nation. Oh, Lord, incline your ears and hear. hear. Open your ears, open your eyes, and see our desolations and the city, which is called by your name. For we do not present our supplications before you because of our righteous deeds, but because of your great mercies. Daniel was sitting at the end of a 70-year exile. They were in exile. This is about the second or third time the children of Israel were in exile. They were in exile in Egypt, and now they're in exile in Babylon. He's at the end of this duration of time, and he's starting to make this prayer of intercession. And then he talks about the 70 weeks and the 69 plus two weeks and uh, plus nine weeks. 
it's very intriguing that actually, if you put all those numbers together, they kind of add up to the numbers of the next couple of years. We're not saying that's the end, but, but I want to read to you a couple of descriptions that he gave of the end times uh, that as he saw them from, from the prophetic word and see if this is not um, very um, striking uh, as to where we're at today in Daniel, same chapter, uh, I'm sorry, chap, yeah, no, chapter eight, verse 23. And in the latter times of their kingdom, when the transgressors have reached their fullness, and this is what we're talking about. This is, this is why it's hard to describe this fullness of, of uh, indignation and transgression. It is so contrary to uh, innocence and truth and purity and goodness. And so it's so offensive to the righteous, but this is what has to happen. The transgress- when the transgressors have reached their fullness, that a king will arise. Now, of course, he's going to use the word king. It could be president. It could be prime minister. It could be king. Having fierce features, who understands sinister schemes. In other words, the guy is, is beyond himself understanding evil. His powers shall be mighty, but not by his own power. In other words, he's getting his powers from Satan himself. He shall destroy fearfully. How do I know that? Because he says his power is not by himself. He's going to get it from the, the accumulation of power and promotion from all kinds of evil sources, men with money, men who promote evil, men, the elite, the cabal, whatever you want to call them. He shall destroy fearfully without, you know, extraordinary. He will not have any qualms about how he destroys, whether he's exploiting the innocent in pedophilia and, and taking our children out, trafficking, human trafficking, trafficking of souls, stealing their lives, and shall prosper and thrive. In other words, God's going to just let it go. He shall destroy the mighty and also the holy people. Now, I suppose here Daniel would be referring to the, the Jews, but we're holy as well. You are a holy people, Peter says, through his cunning, through his treachery. He shall cause deceit to prosper under his hand. So what? who gets promoted around here? The people who are telling the biggest, fattest lies get promoted. He, they prosper. The ones who are telling the truth get smashed to the wall he shall magnify himself in his head in his in his heart i'm sorry i can do this nobody's going to stop me i am god he shall destroy many in their prosperity even the rich ones are going to lose their money the bank the global systems the markets the whatever he shall even rise against the prince of princes that would be jesus he's going to get so uh, obnoxious and arrogant and cocky that he's going to come against the prince of princes but he shall be broken without a human hand nobody's going to raise up a military strategy against him, you know, warships and bombs and missiles. But he is going to be taken out without a human hand. Now, it says in verse chapter um, uh, 11, Daniel, um, verse 32, those who do wickedly against the covenant, he shall corrupt with flattery. Those who do wickedly against the covenant, the covenant would, I would think that'd be the covenant of God. Those who hold it in contempt, despise it like they despise Jesus on the cross. And that same spirit is here, that vile contempt for God. He, those he shall corrupt with flattery, How, bribery, flattery, you know, you can do it, we'll promote you. But the people who know their God, that's a different group of people, by the way, the people who know their God shall be strong and carry out great exploits, stand and have, having done all they will stand and though, and those of the people who understand, that would be you and I, what we're doing here, shall instruct many. Go tell people about this. Don't keep this information to yourself. Don't keep, it's like if, if you had a cure for cancer, you'd be telling people. 
If you know the world is ending, you'd be telling people. If you know Jesus is coming back and people have to get right with God, you'd be telling people. If you really believed it, you'd be telling people. Yet for many days, they shall fall by the sword and and famine, by captivity and by plundering. This is he's talking back then. We're still, he says, we're still not there. But he says, now when they fall, they shall be aided with a little help. But many shall join them by intrigue. And many will fall away through the slipperiness and through the flattery. This is, this is an ongoing process that's been going on since he wrote and spoke these words. And some of them of understanding will fall. Has, have we not seen that? To, rede- to refine them, purge them, and make them white until the time of the end, because it is for the appointed time. But those who know their God stay humble, stay pure, stay in love with Christ, stay in love with even the unlovely, don't fall for the spirit of rejection that they push against you, Love them in, in spite of it. Those will do exploits in these last days. And we're in very close to, if not on top of, these last days. Here's some encouragements for us, guidelines for us in these days that, in which we're living. First um, Thessalonians chapter 5 and verses uh, 14 through uh, 24. Now we exhort you, brethren, warn those who are unruly, comfort the faint-hearted, uphold the weak, be patient with all, see that no one renders evil for evil to anyone, but always pursue what is good, both for yourselves and for all. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit, do not despise prophecies, test all things, hold fast what is good, abstain from every form of evil. And then he concludes here, now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful, who will also do it. Amen. How can we say it any better? We just thank you, Father God, for your faithfulness to complete the work you've begun in us and in this world that you will have a bride without spot or wrinkle. You will have a people who stand in joy and rejoicing as we sing and prepare to greet you with that unfailing love and your great faithfulness to us. Father, we ask now for divine protections, mercies, provisions for everyone who's listening today, and may you prosper us in the works you've called us to in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you all.